Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name's Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love the NFL. I watch every game every week, love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all my teams 365 days a year. So do you, so let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have in the store today on episode number 87. We're going to talk about several rookies that have moved up in my rankings after they landed in great spots based on their, their draft capital and their opportunity. Before we jump in there, though, just want to say I hope you guys are doing well, and this is certainly about when all of our rookie drafts start up. I know I just started one uh, yesterday, and then I've got another one that starts tomorrow, and another one starts a little bit early next week, so it's going to be a blast. This is the best time for us who love Dynasty, who are Dynasty freaks. So we all know that there are several evaluation points um, that kind of shake up rookie rankings in the offseason, so there's like pretty mild changes that occur during the practice reports, leading, you know, the practice reports before the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl, let alone just the games themselves, changes things a little bit. Slightly more significant changes take place after the NFL Combine, so you got the measurables then for all the players. But we all know that really last weekend is the where things really change. There's drastic changes can be made after the NFL draft when we learn what the NFL teams think of the players based on where they were drafted, um, meaning their draft capital, and based on their opportunities, based on the depth charts of of the teams that drafted them. So draft capital and opportunity are the final and the most definitive last step in the rookie evaluation and thus rookie rankings. Just from my philosophy, generally speaking, I I don't let the draft capital or opportunity shake up my rankings too much in the top 20. About the, you know, my top 20 rookies that I have, I, I move them up and down just a little bit, but really those ones don't move a whole lot based on draft capital or opportunity. But beyond that, like picks number 21 through my website, 72 players, people can move quite a bit in that range based on their draft capital, you know, how early they're drafted and their opportunity, the depth charts of their teams. And so I went dead and just finished my rankings. I posted all of my first rookie rankings blended in, integrated with all the veterans. And then this time I did my one last update before all my drafts. And so when I did my one last update, these are the 10 players that actually moved up based on the teams that they landed with. So let's talk about 10. First is uh, Cam Akers. I moved Akers up to number eight from, or num- from number eight to number four in my rankings. So he short jump there, but pretty significant there in, to be in the first round. I just think the Rams' uh, willingness to take Akers with their very first pick of the draft, of course they didn't have a first round, that was their first pick in the second round, the willingness that they had to make that be the very first pick, even though they had plenty of other team needs, including offensive line, really makes me believe that they intend to make him their featured back. I chose uh, Akers, Akers ahead of um, J.K. Dobbins. They chose Akers ahead of J.K. Dobbins too, which means there's something actually that they like compared to you know what many people valued as an even better running back prospect and and Dobbins. We all know about Daryl Henderson. He was their third round pick last year, but last year he had every opportunity to be the next guy up in LA while Gurley was battling with his injuries. But even my old Texas X Malcolm Brown outperformed him. And so given those two facts, I just think that the Rams have showed what they think about Henderson by drafting another running back a year later, particularly when they had other needs. Yes, the offensive line is a concern for sure, but Akers is used to playing behind inferior offensive lines like he had to do at Florida State. I don't think it can be any worse than what he experienced in college. 
Plus this week as listening to some other uh, analysts that I really trust, there were several that said that they really, really like Akers and believed in him more as in his talent and just think that this is a wonderful spot for him to land. I also believe that McVay can bring out the best in him because I do think even though people have caught up with McVay and his awesome offenses a little bit, I think he has a plan in store uh, for Akers and I believe in McVay still. So Cam Akers moved up a little bit. Next, I have Michael Pittman. Pittman uh, moved up from number 19 to number 12. So now, instead of the back end of the second round, he is in my first round. His draft capital and opportunity were just too perfect. Uh, the Colts loved him enough to take him with their second pick in the second round, So that mean that, meaning the second pick of the second round, pick number 34, which shows that they, they love him. And they also have an enormous void at the wide receiver two spot. You know, we've been watching these guys go in and out and trying to find someone that's actually going to help, you know, play opposite of T.Y. Hilton. Um, and this is the guy that they chose to do that. I think that uh, Hilton is also nearing the end of his career, so Pittman is really poised to become a wide receiver one in Indianapolis, I believe, in the future. Paris Campbell, who they drafted last year, yes, he might be in the way, but I really think that he's a better fit in the slot and really was never the type of athlete to become a you know his top-targeted wide receiver on an NFL team. But I do think that Pittman could become that in Indianapolis after T.Y. Hilton has moved on uh, for a couple years from now. There was also this week several analysts that I listened to, including Greg Cosell, who I trust a lot. He spoke glowingly about Pittman last week, which made me um, even want to move him into the first round. So he was actually already steadily rising up my rankings bit by bit based on all the offseason news. But this draft and this perfect landing spot makes him firmly now in the first round, in my opinion. Third guy we'll talk about is Keyshawn Vaughn. Vaughn moved up in my rankings from number 22 to number 17. Now, you might be thinking that's not enough. So everyone hoped that Tampa Bay would draft one of the top five uh, rookie running backs. Instead, they drafted what we all think is about what at least I think is the sixth best, and they waited till the third round to do so. This caused some analysts, just because of the landing spot, they moved Vaughn into the first round of rookie drafts, ranking him um, as a top 12 player, which is insane. I'm in, I'm in a, a draft right now, and Vaughn went at number 10. Um, that is way too high, in my opinion. Uh, I think that fact that he was drafted in the third round and that he has to compete with a third-year running back in Ronald Jones, who's actually younger than him already. Um, man, Vaughn is praised for his pass blocking, which is true. And maybe that's why they drafted him, because they got to protect their 43-year-old quarterback in Brady. But Tampa Bay is also, um, <clears throat> they also strengthened their offensive line. And those are reasons that people moved him up. But I think moving up into the first round is, is pretty ridiculous. He still moved up, but he only moved up to number 17, middle of the second round guy for me, which means I'm obviously not going to have him because if people are drafting him in the first round, there's no way um, I'm willing to do that. But I did move him up to 17. Next is Joshua Kelly. Uh, Kelly moved up from number 34 to number 23, so pretty big jump. Excuse me. He's a guy I'll be drafting a lot of in the second round. In fact, I just drafted him at the 3.2 pick in the draft that I'm uh, currently in. So he waited all the way to the third round, and I've got him ranked at number 23, so I would have drafted him in the second. Pretty crazy. Uh, Kelly's been rising up the rankings at every turning point for me. Uh, he was a standout in the Senior Bowl. He showed well at the Combine, and now he lands in a great spot in the Chargers, who really have a history of using two running backs pretty effectively. Eckler's got the lead role secure, so I'm not talking about him supplanting Eckler. But Kelly really could compete with Justin Jackson to become the RB2 there in L.A., the more I watched Kelly's film this offseason, the more and more I liked him. He's a real solid build. He's got excellent balance. He scored 25 touchdowns in his two years at UCLA, and he could become the real red zone back there uh, for the Chargers as well. 
Um, he's definitely not as dynamic as Eckler, but Eckler was a lot sl- more slight in his build. And so Joshua Kelly could become the, the red zone back there. One other thing I like, and this I'll say this about one other player. This may sound um, not scientific or you might not like the an, an, uh, the way that I the way that I value it, but I really value guys that have a high character and high competitor. And he really does have this high char- character, high competitor guy. He's been moved, moved his way up from UC Davis to UCLA. I heard stories this week about his work ethic and the way he takes football very seriously, and that actually means something to me. I think this is just a true NFL player that the Chargers got uh, pretty late. Next I'll mention is KJ Hamler. He moved up, not a whole lot, but he moved up to number 25, where I did have him ranked at number 29, so he moved up four spots. The fact was I was not as high on on Hamler as other analysts, but when the Broncos drafted him with the 14th pick of the second round, you have to kind of pay attention to that. That's a that's a big move. <laughs> I had to move him up just a little bit. Draft capital was very impressive, showing that the, the Broncos have plans to use his very unique skill set um, and they drafted him, of course, behind uh, Jerry Judy, and they already have Cortland Sutton. And so I think that they're going to use him in a unique way. So because of the, the opportunity there kind of being blocked by Judy and Sutton, I didn't move him up very much. I'm also not convinced that Drew Locke is, has the, can make the most of his weapons after only starting five games. They're kind of putting a lot in his hands now. Um, I was gener- generous with Handler just because of the draft capital being drafted in the second round. But that really just meant that I moved him up four spots. I think that other people are going to like him and draft him before I would be willing to do so. But he was one of the guys that I moved up, just strictly based on being drafted in the second round. Next guy is Devin Duvernay. Hook him horns. Uh, Devin Duvernay moved up from number 40 in my rankings to number 26. So quite a big jump, 14 spots. Duvernay was drafted a round and a half later than Hamler. But I just think his opportunity here is way more um, he's way more perfect for him in Baltimore. He's on a high-powered offense led by Lamar Jackson. We like that, right? We did see that Miles Boykin didn't prove that he could be a starter last year. He really did never solidify his role. Marquise Brown was great when he was in there, but he was often injured as he always was in college. And so he's always an injury, injury risk. I really believe that DuVernay could step into a starting role from day one. Baltimore is one of those teams that I trust more than most in the draft, too. Their scouting department usually gets their picks right, even when they're against conventional wisdom, which they often do. And DuVernay probably being drafted that early was was a bit unconventional, too. But like me, as a dynasty owner, I think that the Baltimore Ravens, in particular, subscribe to something that I do. That's a college production. College production matters. And I think Baltimore believes that, too, because they drafted two guys that had 100-catch seasons last year in DuVernay and six-round pick James Prochet. And so they value productivity, as do I. And seeing, you know, via the Zoom uh, NFL draft experience we had, you saw how excited they were when DuVernay fell to them. So I love it. DuVernay's moved up quite a bit. Right at the start of the third round is when I'd be looking to to grab him. Next up, uh, moving up the boards, was Antonio Gandy-Golden. Gandy-Golden moved up from uh, not a whole lot, but I had him at 33, and now he's at 27. So moved up six spots. It's a modest move up in my rankings, but still, when Washington drafted Antonio Gibson and they announced him as a running back instead of a wide receiver in the third round, and then when they kind of doubled down on that, and even in our uh, dynasty platforms that we play in, uh, Gibson is now listed as a running back. And so because of that, I was also willing to move him up because the Redskins, they're littered with unproven second-year guys. That's except for McLaurin, of course. McLaurin's already shown that he's a every-down starter. But when you look at... uh, Kevin Harmon and, and Steven Sims, two rookies last year that were competing for that number two spot. Neither of them really took the spot outright. 
I really like his chances as much as I like theirs. Now, truth be, truth be told, if you uh, have been following me, you know that I'm a Kelvin Harmon truther. But I'm willing to uh, draft Gandy Golden in the third round just in case I'm wrong on Harmon. Uh, he's full of upside. Again, like I said, um, with Joshua Kelly, he's also full of character, great competitor. Uh, his competition level is going to increase enormously, of course, since he just played at Liberty last year. But still, his, his combine measurables put him in the same class with all the other wide receivers drafted. Um, he's a guy that you can grab in the third round and hope that he wins that job there. Next would be Anthony McFarland. Running back that's drafted by Pittsburgh, McFarland moved up from 36 in my rankings to number 30. So not a, not a huge jump, but a, a small jump of six into the third round to now the middle of the third round. Uh, McFarland was one of the first running backs I watched when I started watching film this February. And, and he was ranked a lot higher when I just only looked at film. But then I went and looked at uh, production, which is my next, next step that I take. I go look into his college career and see that he just really didn't have a huge production in college. So he's flashed whenever he was in there, but he's got a huge injury history. And that made me actually move him pretty far down my board. That said, his landing spot um, behind another often injured running back, James Conner, means that he might get some playing time and get it early. I also learned this week that there are family connections between Pittsburgh and Maryland. So the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Maryland uh, College Coaching or University of Maryland Coaching Staff. And so this Pittsburgh had better in, intel than anyone about McFarland. So they knew more about him than most just because of the, the uh, relationships between those two coaching staffs. And they knew what they knew about him and his injury proneness, but they were happy to draft him in the fourth round. Still a crowded backfield, you know, behind Connor with Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell, but I really think that McFarland has way more explosiveness than those guys. If he can only stay healthy, uh, he's a great guy to gamble on. He was just drafted in the second round of this draft that I'm doing right now, which surprised me. Two more guys to talk about that moved up in my rankings after they landed on their teams is Adam Trotman. Trotman moved up from 41 to number 31. He's remained my number one ranked tight end in a very inferior tight end class, of course. But I moved him up quite a bit after being drafted in New Orleans, who traded up to get him. I always give someone just a little extra bump when someone trades up to get them. It means that the coaching staff has more to prove. they got to try to make this work because of what they did to get him. Troutman, of course, played at Dayton, so it's hard to compare him to players from all the Division I schools. But he dominated his competition and was one of the top performers in the Combine, too. So the Saints are one of those scouting departments that I trust more than most. And they traded up to get him, so that means something to me. Add to that the fact that Jared Cook is at the back end of his career for sure, with uh, no one really behind him that's primed to take his place. It's also likely Drew Brees' last year, um, so that could hurt Troutman, but the recent signing of Jameis Winston makes me think, hey, if they Drew Brees you know, plays his last year and they hand the reins to Winston, perhaps, you've got another quarterback there that, while he throws more interceptions than Brees, he also loves to target the tight end like he did in Tampa Bay for all those years, so... Trotman's moved up to number 31 for me. Finally, uh, last player is Quintus Cephas. Cephas moved up from 45 to 36, so a nine-spot nine um, move. For me, this was uh, two things, landing spot and Matt Waldman. <clears throat> Matt Waldman, of course, of rookie scouting portfolio fame. He's been calling Cephas one of the best sleepers in the draft week after week after week. Things that I've been listening, podcasts I listen to, that's always the one that he points to. And so I was already kind of moving Cephas up a little bit just based on, you know, Matt, who studies this game way better than I do. Um, but then I looked at this landing spot and thought, man, we've got kind of an aging Marvin Jones as a wide receiver too. Not really anybody but Danny Amendola and, and some, you know, just guys that we don't know uh, to compete. It looks to me like in three receiver sets, Cephas could quickly become uh, the, a part of those three receiver sets. 
he can then take over the role of Marvin Jones to complete with, of course, the wide receiver one and Kenny Galladay. So years to come, he could become the number two most targeted wide receiver there in Detroit if he proves himself. So he was not very productive at college, so that's a knock. Like I said, I place a lot of value on, on that, but um, he also had a poor combine, so there you got to put potential on that. Uh, but he does have the size, and he has uh, upside potential to become better than what we've seen so far, even if only because Matt Waldman thinks so. <laughs> so I'll be honest about that. Well, there you have it. Those are 10 guys that moved up in my rankings. My rankings are complete. I hope that you will use them during your drafts, and I would love it if you would just send me an email, uh, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E. Send me an email in the middle of your draft. Tell me, you know, which players you're thinking about picking. Let me weigh in. I would love to do that, and I'm going to be reporting on all of my drafts um, going forward here on the podcast. That's a wrap this week, my freaky friends. I do appreciate you listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime. Like I said, by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. I'd be honored if you would take time to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That would really mean a lot to me as well. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.